0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Dw Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus Section
1: 54 of an American Tragedy Volume 1 by Theodore Dreiser. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Tatiana Chichilla. Book 2, Chapter 35. But the remedy he purchased failed to work, and because of nausea and his advice, she had not gone to the factory, but lay about worrying but no saving result appearing, she began to take two pills every hour instead of one, eager at any cost to escape the fate which had seemingly overtaken her. And this made her exceedingly sick, so much so that when Clyde arrived at 6.30 he was really moved by her deathly white face, drawn cheeks, and large and nervous eyes, the pupils of which were unduly dilated. Obviously she was facing a crisis, and because of him, and while it frightened, at the same time it made him sorry for her still so confused and perplexed was he by the problem which her unchanged state presented to him that his mind now leaped forward to the various phases and eventualities of such a failure as this the need of additional advice or service of some physician somewhere but where and how and who and besides as he now asked himself where was he to obtain the money in any such event plainly in view of no other inspiration it was necessary for him to return to the druggist at once and there inquire if there was anything else, some other drug or some other thing that one might do, or, if not that, then some low-priced shady doctor somewhere, who, for a small fee, or a promise of payments on time, would help in this case. Yet even though this other matter was so important, tragic almost, once outside his spirits lifted slightly, for he now recalled that he had an appointment with Sandra at the Cranstons, where at nine he and she, along with a number of others, were to meet and play about, as usual, a party. Yet once at the Cranstons, and despite the keen allurement of Sandra, he could not keep his mind off Roberta's state, which rose before him as a spectre. Supposing now any one of those whom he found gathered here—Nadine Harriet, Pearlie Haynes, Violet Taylor, Jill Trumbull, Bella, Bertine, and Sandra—should gain the least inkling of the scene he had just witnessed. In spite of Sandra at the piano throwing him a welcoming smile over her shoulder as he entered, his thoughts were on Roberta. He must go around there again after this was over, to see how she was, and so relieve his own mind in case she were better. In case she was not, he must write to Ratterer at once for advice. In spite of his distress, he was trying to appear as gay and unconcerned as ever, dancing first with Pearlie Haynes, and then with Nadine, and finally, while waiting for a chance to dance with Sandra, He approached a group who were trying to help Van de Steele solve a new scenery puzzle, and asserted that he could read messages written on paper and sealed in envelopes, the old serial letter trick which he had found explained in an ancient book of parlor tricks discovered on a shelf at the Peyton's. It had been his plan to use it before in order to give himself an air of ease and cleverness, but tonight he was using it to take his mind off the greater problem that was weighing on him. And, although with the aid of Nadine Harriet, whom he took into his confidence, he succeeded in thoroughly mystifying the others. Still, his mind was not quite on it. Roberta was always there. Supposing something should really be wrong with her and he could not get her out of it. She might even expect him to marry her. So fearful was she of her parents and people. What would he do then? He would lose the beautiful Sandra, and she might even come to know how and why he had lost her. But that would be wild of Roberta to expect him to do that. He would not do it. He could not do it. One thing was certain. He must get her out of this. He must. But how? How? And although at twelve o'clock Sandra signaled that she was ready to go, and that if he chose he might accompany her to her door, and even stop in for a few moments, and although once there, in the shade of a pergola which ornamented the front gate, she had allowed him to kiss her, and told him that she was beginning to think he was the nicest ever, and that the following spring, when the family moved to Twelfth Lake, She was going to see if she couldn't think of some way by which she could arrange to have him there over weekends. Still, because of this pressing problem in connection with Roberta, Clyde was so worried that he was not able to completely enjoy this new, and to him, exquisitely thrilling demonstration of affection on her part—this new and amazing social and emotional victory of his. He must send that letter to Ratterer tonight, but before that he must return to Roberta as he had promised and find out if she was better and after that he must go over to Schenectady in the morning, sure, to see about the druggist over there, for something must be done about this, unless she were better tonight. And so, with Sandra's kisses thrilling on his lips, he left her to go to Roberta, whose white face and troubled eyes told him as he entered her room that no change had taken place. If anything, she was worse and more distressed than before, the larger dosage having weakened her to the point of positive illness. However, as she said, nothing mattered if only she could get out of this— that she would almost be willing to die rather than face the consequences. And Clyde, realizing what she meant and being so sincerely concerned for himself, appeared in part distressed for her. However, his previous indifference and the manner in which he had walked off and left her alone this very evening prevented her from feeling that there was any abiding concern in him for her now, and this grieved her terribly. For she sensed now that he did not really care for her any more, even though he was saying that she mustn't worry— and that it was likely that if these didn't work he would go get something else that would, that he was going back to the druggist at Schenectady the first thing in the morning to see if there wasn't something else that he could suggest. But the Gilpins had no telephone, and since he never ventured to call at her room during the day, and he never permitted her to call him at Mrs. Peyton's, his plan in this instance was to pass by the following morning before work. If she were all right, the two front shades would be raised to the top. If not, then lowered to the center. In that case, he would depart for Schenectady at once, telephoning Mr. Liggett that he had had some outside duties to perform. Just the same, both were terribly depressed and fearful as to what this should mean for each of them. Clyde could not quite assure himself that, in the event that Roberta was not extricated, he would be able to escape without indemnifying her in some form, which might not mean just temporary efforts to aid her, but something more—marriage, possibly, since already she had reminded him that he had promised to see her through. "'But what had he really meant by that at the time that he had said it?' he now asked himself. "'Not marriage, most certainly, since his thought was not that he had ever wanted to marry her, "'but rather just to play with her happily in love, although, as he well knew, "'she had no such conception of his eager mood at that time. "'He was compelled to admit to himself that she had probably thought his intentions were more serious, "'or she would not have submitted to him at all. "'But reaching home, and after writing and mailing the letter to Ratterer, "'Clyde passed a troubled night.' Next morning he paid a visit to the druggist at Schenectady, the curtains of Roberta's windows having been lowered to the centre when he passed. But on this occasion the latter had no additional aid to offer, other than the advisability of a hot and hence weakening bath, which he had failed to mention in the first instance, also some wearying form of physical exercise. But noting Clyde's troubled expression, and judging that the situation was causing him great worry, he observed, Of course, the fact that your wife has skipped a month doesn't mean that there is anything seriously wrong, you know. Women do that sometimes. Anyhow, you can't ever be sure until the second month has passed. Any doctor will tell you that. If she's nervous, let her try something like this. But even if it fails to work, you can't be positive. She might be all right next month, just the same. Thinly cheered by this information, Clyde was about to depart, for Roberta might be wrong. He and she might be worrying needlessly. Still, he was brought up with a round turn as he thought of it. There might be real danger, and waiting until the end of the second period would only mean that a whole month had elapsed and nothing helpful accomplished. A freezing thought. In consequence, he now observed, In case things don't come right, you don't happen to know of a doctor she could go to, do you? This is a rather serious business for both of us, and I'd like to get her out of it if I could. Something about the way in which Clyde said this. His extreme nervousness, as well as his willingness to indulge in a form of malpractice, which the pharmacist, by some logic all his own, considered very different from just swallowing a preparation intended to achieve the same result, caused him to look suspiciously at Clyde, the thought stirring in his brain that very likely, after all, Clyde was not married, also that this was one of those youthful affairs which spelled license and future difficulty for some unsophisticated girl. Hence his mood now changed and instead of being willing to assist, he now said coolly, "'Well, there may be a doctor around here, but if so, I don't know, and I wouldn't undertake to send anyone to a doctor like that. It's against the law. It would certainly go hard with any doctor around here who was caught doing that sort of thing. That's not to say, though, that you aren't at liberty to look around for yourself if you want to,' he added gravely, giving Clyde a suspicious and examining glance, and deciding it were best if he had nothing further to do with such a person.' Clyde, therefore, returned to Roberta with the same prescription renewed, although she had most decidedly protested that, since the first box had not worked, it was useless to get more. But since he insisted, she was willing to try the drug in a new way, although the argument that a cold or nerves was the possible cause was only sufficient to convince her that Clyde was at the end of his resources, in so far as she was concerned, or if not that, he was far from being alive to the import of this both to herself and to him." And supposing this new treatment did not work then what was he going to stop now and let the thing rest there yet so peculiar was clyde's nature that in the face of his fears in regard to his future and because it was far from pleasant to be harried in this way and an infringement on his other interests the assurance that the delay of a month might not prove fatal was sufficient to cause him to be willing to wait and that rather indifferently for that length of time roberta might be wrong she might be making all this trouble for nothing He must see how she felt after she had tried the new way. But the treatment failed, despite the fact that in her distress...